where you can get a membership for 29 bucks a month, or you can buy one document, such as their LLC uh, operating agreement, for $7. Lawdepot.com. L-A-W-D-E-P-O-T.com. Yeah, $7. Okay. All right. I'm going to go out of order, folks, because Hunter asked me, Hunter seems kind of enervated by that. I'll be real with you. But I'm going to go down to the bottom of my slides and show you the links to my YouTube channel where I discuss and show and go into detail how that works with uh, um, lawdepot.com. i got to find my photo. I'll be right there, be right there, be right there. Hang on, hang on, hang on. school, 
you're going to have situations where someone really works hard and does something useful and valuable for your company, for your LLC, for your startup, and you're not gonna have any money to pay them. That's nothing to be ashamed of, I expect that. I don't expect there's a lot of really wealthy people in here, so let them know, look, You've really made a contribution. I want to know your contribution is rewarded. And as a part owner, now he has a vested stake even more, he or she, that as an owner, I need to keep delivering useful if I ever want this company to make money. But also, if you have some cash on hand, if you can afford it, if he did 10 hours of work, you know, maybe $25 an hour, give him $250. Give him a check. Write a 1099 and say that person, this is compensation, meritorious compensation for that person's effort and hard work. That's not a lot of money. Not a lot of you folks who really care too much about $250, but it's symbolic. And also the slug of equity is symbolic. But doggone it, what else do you have? You ain't got no money yet. You ain't got barely any customers yet. What else can you give? You need to give something, and that needs to go in the operating agreement so that people realize I'm a part of this. This isn't just a hobby. This isn't just a student exercise where some professor said, as a requirement for my class, you have to start a little bit of a small business, or at least the pretense of doing so. This is real world stuff. And one way to do that is here. That's probably the most important slide I have in here, and that's why I put it in the headline, and that is because people don't do this. They just don't. They don't bother kind of being vibrant and a living, flowing LLC and business. Instead, they look at it as a static piece of paper in their operating agreement that they sign, and that's it. May as well be a great installment. And that's not a good way. That's not how young people think, or really any people of any age. That's not how we want to do business. Just static like that. We're going to go into hamburgers and just stay there for four years, even though it's clearly not a good business model. And I have a lot of emotion on this because I see people afraid to pivot, unwilling to pivot, and then when they do intelligently pivot, unwilling to document their pivot. And if I was an investor coming in after you, looking at who I want to invest in, I want to see your operating agreement and how it has changed and evolved. Over two years, some of you have had a business two years. Um, William, you've had your business a year and a half, right? Or a year and a half? I'd like to see at least two different operating agreements out of him. If I'm going to sink money into him, I want to see his payouts, his bank accounts. I'd love to see it. The LLC has filed its own tax return. But of all the people who filed their own LLC in here, how many of them have a separate LLC which filed its own tax return? Yeah, yeah, that's right. But as an investor, I want to see that. The problem, I understand why you don't do it. The thing didn't make any money. I get that. But you should still document the losses for the IRS, and you should still segregate and sequester your income and your personal banking and whatnot from the LLC's banking, even if it's only 100 bucks, even if it's only 200. They've got to be separate from you personally. That is what's known as the alter ego doctrine. And the single member LLCs, where everything's in the same bank account, the IRS is gonna knock you one in the jaw. They don't like single member LLCs where the um, bank accounts are not separated and where the LLC does not have its own EIN. The IRS finds that a very suspicious usage of LLCs Potential indication, one flag, not that you're doing it, but one flag for potential money flag. Why put yourself in that position? I can see I'm running out of time. Um, yeah, 11.07. I'm ready to answer any other questions. I got a lot more to say, but I'll be outside here. Uh, I'm kind of happy that I did get to one of my main points. 
Sorry about the size here. Yeah, here, actually, here's probably one of my best points. I'm gonna move down a little, move down more. Now I'm gonna make this larger, all come with glasses. One thing an operating agreement should have that even the experienced attorneys don't think to include is right here. I would love to see you folks do this, but I would understand if you did. This is a lot of work. This is a real change in commitment. And that is when you start a company, who's gonna do what? What tasks are they gonna do? I made this, I'm gonna make it a little bigger. Even some of those folks in the back, you can see this, right? You can yep. see the yellow text, yeah. Um, we're starting an LLC. We're trying to figure out who's bringing what to the game. Who is actually participating in it and what it is they're bringing. All right, Steve, you know, put in a lot of things. He's also agreeing to quit his day job. That's a going operating agreement, by the way. I quit my day job to start this business. Meanwhile, you kept your day job. Whose commitment is higher? Who deserves to have more management authority? This alone is a highly indicative thing to potential investors coming along, looking to put the capital infusion into you. This alone is a huge deal, huge. But people don't identify it. Steve quit his, quit his day job. He's, he, he's an inventor on two patents, and he was already ready to work 25 hours a week. And that's before he quit his day job. Now that he quit his day job, he's probably gonna work 80 hours a week. His assessed value of his contribution is about 80 grand. All right, the rest of it you read. I don't want to read it to you, except to say, this changed. All right, Alice, for whatever reason, she's not feeling well, or she's gonna have a baby, or she's gonna divorce, or she's moving to another state. She don't want to be in it no more. All right, Alice, we're gonna reduce your equity from 20% to let's say three and a half or six. You did something, you were a valuable contributor, but as this corporation grows, and you're having a baby, you're clearly preoccupied with other things, she would probably say, yeah, I deserve that. That's right, I still like to be a part of it, and I still like that my initial contribution is recognized. That's fine, I want that. But at the same time, I don't want to get drained on the corporation anymore. I, you know, someone got cancer, or they've got some other kind of problem, they got COVID, some other problem. They can't be a contributor to your LLC anymore. So document that in a new operating agreement. And you could at least start by sending text to Alice. Alice, how are you doing? Got the lab results back. The news was bad. I don't think I'm gonna be around the office much anymore. Wow, sorry to hear that. And I have had a client where that happened. What you do then is you say, Alice, no offense, I'm gonna text you back. This doesn't mean it's macabre or ghoulish. But more to say, Alice, since you're not really going to be part of the corporation anymore, we're so sorry for what happened to you, but we would like to reduce your equity and also take a lot of the load off of you. You were going to be the co-signer on the office lease. You were going to do something with airline tickets. We're going to give that duty over to Joanne or somebody else. Would that be okay? Would you barely get it? She texts back, yes, I understand perfectly. Boom! You just changed your operating agreement proportions without making anybody mad. You take a screen capture of that chain of text and put it in your new operating agreement. It's that easy. That easy. I had a question over here, yeah. So you want to look at it almost when a situation like this arises, uh, providing like a two good, one bad situation where you know she's losing equity in the business, but on the good side, she still has equity in the business and she's still contributing to it. Yes, wow, nicely stated, thank you. Yes, 
because this does happen. This world we live in, you students, you people, people come and go. I got a new boyfriend, I got a new girlfriend, or I got this, or I got that, or now I've got a new job, I'm the assistant night manager at this or that, or I'm going to work for Goldman Sachs. I make 350 grand a year with my entrepreneurship degree from whatever school. I'm going to work for Goldman Sachs. I was contributing a lot to this, 40% equity. Guys, you can put me down to 2%. I'm not gonna have time to even read your stuff. Go ahead and put me down. If you folks recognize this, you can avoid so many fights later, avoid so many problems later. Go ahead, sir, what do you think? What, do they, what if they say no? Well, now you've got a text documenting that you made the offer, and what we have here is a situation with what's known as a recalcitrant number. Okay, that's above fifth grade vocabulary. A bad behaving member who refuses to cooperate, but at least now we have ventilated and put air under the issue and got it out in the open. The other partners, excuse me, the other members, if there's one bad one and four good ones, the other four can kind of potentially say, we're lowering his equity whether he likes it or not. And we've given him a chance to rehabilitate that he screwed up the airline tickets, he screwed up the trade show, he screwed up the booth as CEO, and we've given him a chance to do another booth to get more airline tickets. He wouldn't do it. We're going to arrange for a proxy signature where his uh, equity proportion is lowered or where he's removed from the LLC altogether against his will. It's very unlikely someone like that will want to take it to court because all of his dirty laundry will get aired and it'll be probably more embarrassing than just admitting, okay, you got me. But it could happen. I'm only, you know, that's an unpleasant situation. By directly texting him and saying, we've got a problem, we need to talk to you, you avoid a wiggle boss situation where at one time he owned 40%, and then when um, uh, Peter Thiel comes along, Clarion Capital, and they're ready to put a bunch of money in the company, you don't want them to have to give Alex or Eduardo Sabarin and the Winklevoss twins, you don't want them to have to get a 40% equity slug. You warned him that he's not properly obeying the principles by which he founded the company. You warned him, you told him, you notified him. And this is a problem. Operating agreements are for in a case where there's a fight among the members. That's one of the reasons we make them. So if you keep it updated, keep it a living document, properly notify and communicate with each other, them fights and hassles, they're gonna happen anyway. But a properly executed, current, updated, and accurate opting agreement is going to be a lot harder for the bad member to fight because you gave him a chance. What's your first name, sir? John. John, I'm sorry to take such a long answer. I hope I answered. Yep, thank you. That's great. Okay, so operating agreements should have this, but very, very few will. Uh, Stephen, I'll say anything more than that. Well, you're only a single member. I bet it wasn't. I saw a hand back here. Go ahead. So this is based on the premise that you're the controlling equity member. Uh, yes, partly, but it is not a requirement. Um, I knew somebody was going to ask me that. I was expecting that. Because, first of all, my time runs out in nine minutes. But second, because this is an overview where I'm trying to convey the main over core. The answer to your question, what's your first name now? Uh, Trish. Trish, I'm Chris. Hi, Chris. Um, nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. <laughs> the answer is not necessarily, but the convenient, easiest example for a lot of people who are not familiar with operating agreements at all that would be probably the easiest one to understand. But it is not the be all end all. There are ways this can be scripted up otherwise as well. And it also assumes, Patricia, where one member, controlling member, what's known as managing member, by the way, what state are you from? Vermont. 
Nebraska. All right, Nebraska, they call them managing members. But other states, they call them something else, where that person has a slug of equity, where he's willing to give all chunks. That doesn't have to be the only way. You could take equity away from the bad behaving member, Alex, and give it to Stevie or Johnny. And if Alex disagrees or disputes it, well, you had an opportunity to rectify your screw ups. You had an opportunity to get off cocaine, but I see you're still on it. I don't want you in my organization at all. And I don't care whether you like it or not. I'll just tell the judge, look up his notes. <laughs> okay, so anyway, there can be other ways, but I didn't want to get that colorful and that explicit. That kind of slipped up. <laughs> small so none of you can read it. I'll be right with you, sir. I remember you too. I saw you at the start. Thank you for being here for the whole one, too. I deliberately made these so small that you can't read them. But this is just an example of a screen capture, which I did. This is a Microsoft Word document. You can see Word up there. Put the screen captures in your operating agreement so you can see the exact language that the guy used, the exact vernacular and tone and style of his communication. He may even say ethno. He may say hell no. He may say, nah, I'm not sure I really agree with that. Or yeah, that's all right. I can live with that. I can get with that. You know, any kind of vernacular that shows assent, agreement, or some type of accurate understanding, even in your own language, now he's not going to later be able to say, well, someone else got my hold of my phone. My girlfriend responded. That wasn't me. Nah, nah, that, that excuse ain't going to do no good. We've got a screen capture right here. And then two down are something about that you know he cares about, some sports team or something. You've got it. He agreed and assented. And you just want to hold on to it right there in case later on he says, you know, I don't agree with that. That's not how I want to do it. Okay, so Pete's first. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, so in the construction, like to say Alice, um, who you put down to 6%, say she wants to just leave the company 100%, just stop doing it, um, would the other members have to buy out her percentage, or how would that work? Yes, they can have to be that way. What's your percent? Uh, Mason. Mason, thank you for asking. But it's funny. I don't mind you asking that. In fact, I want that for all of you. I want that for everybody in here. But my remarks today are for LLCs that are not yet solvent and not yet making profit. So if there's no profit, um, there wouldn't be anything that you had to really buy her out. Unless she brought in like a $37,000 3D printer, and that was the main asset of the entire company. And she says, look, I need you to take that back, or I, I need it back, or somehow or another, that your resale value now is 25 grand. You other three guys, you gotta give me eight grand piece for that. That could happen, even if the company is insolvent, even if they are below water and their tax returns, and I want your LLC to file its own tax return, not your alter ego tax return. In that case, Mason, they, it would be fair, but it doesn't always happen. She could get burned. She could get stuck over keeping the printer and uh, have a nice day. <laughs> and that does happen. And it happens among students. That's why I'm aiming this lecture, Mason, more at LLCs that are not yet solvent and not yet actually uh, currently uh, cash flowing positive. That's who I'm really aiming at here. In that case, this thing about texting and removing a member is easy because they don't even want to be anyway because there ain't no money to be made anyway. So, so if the if the um, it's not profitable percentage is that it's not like doesn't really mean much. Is what you're saying in terms of like the profitability? Yeah, I really am because if it's not profitable and expenses are outrunning whatever revenues they have. 
the equity proportion is supposed to be who gets the payout at the end of the year or quarterly or whichever. So if there's $100 to be paid out and someone's got 39% equity, he should get $39 at the end of the year. And if there ain't nothing to pay out, yeah, you know, that's the key main principle of equity, but it's also in case an investor comes along, who gets rewarded the more and who gets which different kind of shares. Yeah, you get the question. Right, go ahead. That's a really good point. Um, what happens hey. if you're sitting on a thousand dollar loan and then someone says, ah, I wish you didn't do that. You folks in here, first of all, if that have, that's a problem if they take it out in the name of the LLC, but I respect very few banks will um, grant credit to an LLC with very limited solvency and also where they haven't had two years of EBITDA. Equity securities. Equity equals ownership. There are five types of equity securities. Common stocks, preferred stocks, warrants, American depository receipts, and rights. In my next video, I'll be breaking out all five of these categories for you.